Good morning to you, you. Good morning, good morning to you, you. Good morning, good morning. Won't you share with a friend or two? Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Daring Dialogues. I am your host, Shante Charles. I hope that you have been having a great and wonderful day. It is Black Table Talk. It's Teachable Tuesday, and this is Daring Dialogues. I wanted to start out today by sharing a couple of books that I think might be of interest to you as you are building on your own reading collection um, and as you're building on your own library, right? We know so much is happening uh, in certain states that um, is concerning, right? And so one of the best ways, one of the best ways to um, combat what I call encroaching fascism in our country, uh, one of the best ways to combat that is to build your own, build your own library, uh, build your own process for learning, make sure that you are um, doing what you need to do individually so that you can increase your own learning, your own literacy, and the literacy um, of those around you, especially if you have children. So a couple of books that you might want to add to your repertoire is the Black History Book. This is sort of a condensed version of history going back pre-colonial, um, pre-slavery. It's going all the way into prehistory and ancient history, talking about Africa being the mother of humanity, uh, the first humans, etc., etc. So I would say if you're looking for sort of a black history book that gives a summary of certain things, I would definitely check this one out. It's talking about Nubian kingdoms. Uh, it's talking about <clears throat> faith and the trade, what was happening uh, with the faith. It's talking about enslavement and rebellion going all the way up through revolution and resistance. So we might come into this book this month and just take a look at some maybe not so well-known things and we'll pull some information out of here but definitely one for your collection another book that i am checking out now from my local library that one's mine um, but i'm definitely going to be adding this one to my own library it is called creating black americans african-american history and its meaning from 1619 to the present. We know about the um, the 1619 project. Obviously, you definitely want to um, 
get that as a part of your collection. But this one talks about specifically from 1619 all the way through 2005. It's talking about what happened when, when people were transported. It's talking about um, the black population, those who were free, because there was a group of free um, free blacks from 1770 to 1859. Those who were enslaved from that same time period, what happened with the Civil War and emancipation, what happened in the larger era of reconstruction, what happened with, from 1896 to 1919, which is a period of time that people kind of sort of skip by, but they really shouldn't. Um, that's when segregation, black codes, and all that really start uh, kicking off. Then it's talking about the new Negro. Um, who were we trying to be after dealing with Reconstruction and Civil War? Moving into the radicals, moving into the Second World War, and the promise of internationalism, realizing that we had lots of Black people that came back from the war, who were met with violence, violence, violence. Um, they were met with people who basically thought they had some audacity to want to come back and experience the same freedom on this soil that they had been experiencing on foreign soil. Then you have the Cold War, you have civil rights, the Civil Rights Revolution, moving into 1966 to 1980, with the Black Power Movement, which I believe we're still sort of in, or we're in a renaissance of the Black Power Movement. And then authenticity and diversity in the era of hip hop, R&B, um, 1980 to 2005. And so that's what this particular book covers. Again, it is called Creating Black Americans by Nell Irvin Painter. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. All right. Then if you have some younger, uh, younger readers, Urban Intellectuals, which is a black owned company, black owned business, um, has put out a black history coloring book. And this one is on black entrepreneurs. And I love the fact that it's, um, I believe 30, 30 total or, or 29 total entrepreneurs are located in this book. And on the inside cover, they let you know who they're highlighting throughout, almost giving a color guide for young children. And they can actually color the pages. They can participate through social media by hashtagging Black History Coloring Book. And I like the fact that it's not just coloring, but it's actually giving facts on each entrepreneur. So there's some learning and some coloring going on. Again, you can get this at blackhistorycoloringbook.com or you can go to the Urban Intellectual site to get it. If you're a adult who likes the color, 
get it. All right. All right. Now I want to hop into today's reading. Today I am going to be reading from the book, Isn't Her Grace Amazing? The Women Who Changed Gospel Music by Cheryl Willis. Powerful book. I think oftentimes we hear about men in music and definitely men in gospel music. But we're going to dive today into the chapter called Sisters in Song. And let's see if my audience today knows any of these sisters in song. All right. Let's see if anybody can, if anybody knows who those sisters are. All right. I'll give you 10 seconds. Let's see if you can figure out who those sisters were. All right. If you couldn't figure out who they were, those were the Clark sisters. The first set of sisters we're going to start out with is are the Davis sisters, which is very interesting because that's one of my family names. So I'm wondering if they're related. The group members and birth dates, Ruth Davis, born September 27, 1927, and she passed away in 1970. Thelma Davis, born April 1st, 1929, she passed in 1956. Audrey Davis, born November 28, 1932, she passed in, in 1982. Alfreda Davis, born January 1st, 1934. She passed in 1990. And Edna Davis, who lived from 1924 to 1977. Their hometown was Philly, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Their notable gospel hits was Too Close to Heaven, Surely God is Able, Jesus Steps Right In, By and By, 12 Gates to the City, and Jesus, He's My King. Awards and accolades, they were the first female group to sing what they call hard gospel, pioneering a unique physical style with highly emotive synchronized harmonies and choreographed movements. They were mentored and influenced by Gertrude Ward and the famous Clara Ward sisters, recorded prolifically for many labels and were popular around the world. Their 1968 hit, Wait a Little Longer, was nominated for a Grammy. And here are the Davis sisters. The Davis sisters. All right, so let's find out a little bit about them. When you need some double hand clapping and tambourine swinging harmonies, the Davis sisters from Philadelphia are sure to deliver. Just one listen of their most prolific hit, 12 Gates to the City, and you are immediately transported, transported into the spirit of a good old-fashioned Sunday night service. Mentored by Gertrude Ward, mother of gospel legend Clara Ward, and mastermind behind the famous Clara Ward singers, the Davis sisters, Ruth, Thelma, Audrey, Alfreda, and Edna, followed their blueprint to wide acclaim throughout the country. The Davis sisters began singing together at Philadelphia's Mount Zion Fire Baptized Holiness Church. In the mid-1940s, the oldest sister, Ruth, organized her sisters into an ensemble in their teens. They recruited their cousin, Curtis, to be their pianist. 
and the sisters hit the Chitlin circuit with great success in the late 1940s and early 1950s. The sisters soon became known as an edgier version of the Clara Ward Singers. The Davis sisters were one of the first gospel groups who came out of the Holiness Church, noted Tim Dillinger, gospel historian and independent researcher. The Holiness tradition gave them more freedom to sing harder, speak in tongues, lay out on the ground when they were swept up in the spirit. Legend has it that they would sing so hard that at the end of their performances, they would say to each other, girl, you pee tonight. <laughs> wow. Um, let me look up their song because I definitely want to try to play just a snippet of it. Um, hopefully I'll be able to play a snippet and Facebook won't cut me off. Um, I do not own the rights to the song Facebook. Okay. So I'm probably going to play maybe 30 seconds at a time just to let you all hear the, the uh, song. The sisters became known as the first female group to sing this, uh, hard gospel. Their style was so dynamic that they are often intimidated. They often intimidated male groups. This style was described as highly emotive, filled with synchronized harmonies and punctuated with choreographed movements. They positioned themselves on stage around a central microphone to emulate the sound of a small choir. <clears throat> Robert Secchi wrote in the Encyclopedia of American Gospel Music. The Davis sisters were the first female group to sing hard gospel that was totally different from the Baptist style of singing, which emphasized the beauty of tone, precise rhythm, and occasional ornamentation. Hard gospel was characterized by straining the voice during periods of spiritual ecstasy, singing at the extremes of ranges, repeating words or syllables, adding lots of interjections, and acting out songs with motions, stoops, and movements. So if you see a, a choir that are doing like, she's going to work it out, work it out, she's going to work it out, work it out, all of that, stooping, swaying to the side, claps up in the air and all of that, that was considered hard gospel. As the group began to gain popularity throughout Philadelphia, Gertrude Ward took an interest in the sisters, helped them to refine their style, and assisted them with procuring their first recording contract. The Davis sisters recorded their first two singles on the Apex label in May 1949. The group also recorded on Gotham Records before finding a permanent home at Savoy Records in 1955. Their first session for Savoy yielded the Davis sisters' biggest hit, 12 Gates to the City. Let's see if we can play a little bit of that right now without listening to crazy commercials really quickly. All right. Here we go.
a little bit of 12 Gates to the City. Many of the group's musical arrangements were developed by Ruth, who incorporated sounds from doo-wop, R&B, and emerging rock and roll songs of the time. Although considered controversial in gospel music, Ruth wasn't afraid to bring new sounds into the group, to bring new flavor into gospel music. Ruth was the hardest female belter in gospel, scared of no man when it came to squalling. Anthony Hillbutt observed in his book, The Gospel Sound, Good News in Hard Times. At home, she'd enthrall friends with her blues and all the singers insist she could have been another Dinah Washington or Big Maybell. The sound and precision of the Davis sisters was so beloved that Ray Charles designed his background singers, the Ray Letts, after their signature sound. The Davis sisters were also a huge influence on gospel legend Richard Smallwood, who first heard their music at the tender age of six. I believe that the Davis sisters' true legacy is providing a blueprint for a divine union of gospel and the blues. You could always count on them to be authentic in their humanity and be true in their imperfections. Tensions within the group splintered their unity in the early 60s, but not before they delivered one final album, I Believe I'll Go Back Home. This was the final recording before Ruth died an untimely death at age 42. All the songs on that album were focused on heaven and completing the journey. It was almost like Ruth was giving her final goodbyes and standing in her prophetic greatness. The Davis sisters' legacy lives with their recordings and many women gospel groups who have emulated their timeless sound. Let's play a little bit more of that while I show you an early portrait of the Davis sisters. Let's move on to our next group. This is another one of my family names. I'm just wondering if these women are related to me. This is very interesting. All right, we're moving on to the Barrett sisters. The Barrett sisters. If you know about the Barrett his sisters, type yes into the chat or type Barrett into the chat. Group members and birth dates. Delois Barrett Campbell, born March 12, 1926. She passed away in 2011. Billy Barrett Green Bay, uh, born 1928. She passed in 2020. Rodessa Barrett Porter, birth date is unknown. And she was the last, uh, she was born in 1930 and she is the last surviving sister. Hometown Chicago, Illinois. Notable hits, Jesus Loves Me. I'll Fly Away, Carry Me Back, God So Love the war World, The Storm Is Passing Over, and Coming Again So Soon. Let's take a look at The Storm Is Passing Over. Let's see if we can find the original um, Barrett Sisters. The Storm Is Passing Over, Barrett Sisters. <clears throat> All right. We're going to take a listen to a little bit of this. I do not own the rights to this music. 
come back to that. I can't. I'll just play it in snippets for now. But this is the Barrett Sisters. Lovely, lovely portrait of them. Let's see how they got their start. When Delois, Billy, and Rodessa Barrett open their mouths to sing God's praises, heaven is sure to show up in the room. This anointed trio was known for swooping their voices from octave to octave and singing together in perfect harmony. From Rodessa's first soprano to Delois's second soprano to Billy holding down the harmony with her brilliant alto, the Barrett sisters performed around the globe for more than 60 years and electrified audiences with their sweet tones that regularly brought sold out crowds to their feet. The Barrett sisters were the Chicago version of their New Jersey counterparts, the Drinkard sisters. The sisters grew up on Chicago's South Side and were members of the Morning Star Baptist Church. They sang in the choir under the direction of their aunt, who often taught the sisters songs from the father of gospel, Thomas Dorsey. The Barrett sisters grew their skills in the same talented pot of gospel singers that hailed from Chicago. Both Dorsey and Mahalia Jackson were close friends and neighbors of the trio. Delois's oldest sister and the group's eventual leader began her professional career as a first soprano with the Roberta Martin singers in the 1940s. Delois and Billy also performed with their cousins in a group called the Barrett Hudson Singers. Billy also trained as a student at the American Conservative Conservatory of Music, and Rodessa was a director for the Galilee Baptist Church Choir. As the different groups that the sisters sang with split and branched out, the sisters came together in the early 1960s to form their own group. The Barrett sisters recorded their first album, Jesus Loves Me, in 1963. Their later albums included I'll Fly Away and Carry Me Back for Savoy, and in the 1970s, God So Loved the World and Coming Again So Soon on the Creed label. The Barrett sisters soon became a fixture on the Chicago gospel scene, and they often appeared on Jubilee Showcase, a local television show that featured the nation's top gospel groups. We're not ministers and we're not preachers, Billy told the Wisconsin State Journal in 1990, but we're singing about the good news and the good times happening with the Lord. Similar to gospel great Willie Mae Ford Smith, the sisters gained a new wave of fans after being featured in the film, Say Amen, Somebody. The group's stirring performances of The Storm is Passing Over, I Don't Feel No Ways Tired, and He Has Brought Us were highlights of the film. Rodessa said in an interview with ABC7 in August of 2019, we felt these songs. I mean, it wasn't just singing. We believed in them. We felt them. The gospel music in our hearts will always live on. After the documentary, the Barrett sisters were invited to sing on The Tonight Show, The Oprah Winfrey Show, and Bobby Jones Gospel. In their later years, the sisters were also featured in a 2013 documentary called The Sweet Sisters of Zion. Delois has beautifully summed up the sisters' legacy in this 1990 Chicago Tribune article. I suppose gospel music came into being because we black people as a race have been crushed so much and so cruelly. So these gospel songs of ours were comforting and consoling to us. I believe that the people who wrote the first gospel songs were inspired by God to write, to give our people something to feed on or to live on. 
Now the question becomes, are we still inspired by the same thing? That was the Barrett sisters. We got one more group of sisters that we're going to cover today. And we now know, of course, that they are probably the most well-known right now out of the sister groups because of, number one, their longevity, number two, their solo work, number three, their vocal um, prowess, number four, their musical prowess, number five, they've recently had a Lifetime movie, I think one or two movies now, um, made about their life. So a lot more people know about the Clark sisters. Members of the Clark sisters, Jackie Clark Chisholm, Elbernita Twinkie Clark, Dorinda Clark Cole, Karen Clark Sheard, Denise Clark Bradford. Hometown, Detroit, Michigan. Notable gospel hits, Is My Living in Vain, Expect Your Miracle, and Hallelujah. As I find this song, let me see, Is My Living in Vain. If you're familiar with the Clark Sisters, type yes. If you listen to the Clark Sisters on a regular basis, put in your favorite Clark Sisters song. Drop that in the comments. Their notable crossover hits, You Brought the Sunshine, Name It and Claim It. Awards and Accolades, Best Female Gospel Group of All Time, One Dove Award, Three Grammy Awards, The James Cleveland Lifetime Achievement Award, and the 35th Annual Stellar Awards in 2020. This is the Clark Sisters performing on stage at the Royalty Theater in London. And our write-up about them, the write-up about them here is fairly lengthy, so we're gonna make sure we go into it. This is recording artist Karen Clark Sheard and Donnie McClurkin sort of standing off in the background during the 2016 Stellar Gospel Awards. So that's Karen. And let's get to reading. During the 1985 Grammy Awards, the Clark sisters had exactly two minutes to show the world why they belonged on stage during the biggest night in music. But 120 seconds was more than enough time for Jackie, Twinkie, Dorinda, Karen, and their mother, the legendary Dr. Maddie Moss Clark, to electrify the auditorium with their signature harmonies and world-class sound. The Clark sisters and Dr. Clark burst onto the stage in head-to-toe black sequins and blooming feathered headpieces. From the moment baby sister Karen belted out, clap your hands and praise him, 
her signature soprano voice, the Clark sisters were officially catapulted from the church to the global stage. Just a few years earlier, the Clark sisters were light years from sequins and feathers as they were still discovering how to honor their Christian roots in the Church of God in Christ and emerge as women in gospel music who were poised to redefine the genre. As the Clark sisters were developing, honing, and refining what would later be called the Clark sound, the foundation that undergirded everything for them was their deep bond as a family. The thing that truly kept the Clark sisters going was their pure camaraderie as sisters, said Larry Clark, a minister, musician, and son of founding member Denise Clark Bradford. All right, let's take a look. This is Snoop Dogg performing with the Clark sisters in 2018 during the Super Bowl gospel celebration at Bethel University. Clark sisters... Clark Sisters, and Snoop Dogg. I do believe Snoop Dogg won in the Gospel Category Summer Award for his uh, gospel album that he put out that he said he was doing to honor his mother, I believe. That strong family foundation began under the genius and tutelage of their mother. Dr. Clark was a legend in gospel music the first choir director to record a choir with three-part harmony. And many of the 300 compositions that she recorded throughout her life went on to become standard hymnals in the Black church. She and daughter Twinkie were pioneers of incorporating drums and electric guitars and bass into the modern-day worship experience. The Clark sisters often toured the country with their mother as she conducted their choir workshops and revivals with the Church of God in Christ. Larry Clark, who took care of his grandmother in her later years, shared that she kept an enormous collection of cassette tapes under her queen-size bed that were filled with early unfinished recordings by her and her daughters. My grandmother's devotion to her faith, her music, and her daughters was out of this world, Clark said. As the Clark sisters emerged from under their mother's wings, they signed their first record deal in 1973 and released their first album, Jesus Has Got a Lot Has a Lot to Give. Throughout the 1970s, the sisters electrified churchgoers throughout the country with gospel hits such as Is My Living in Vain, Pure Gold, and Expect Your Miracle. Before the release of their 1981 album, You Brought the Sunshine, Twinkie, also known as the queen of the Hammond B3 organ, took charge of the group's songwriting and vocal arrangements. With the debut of this album, the Clark sisters scored their first crossover hit, You Brought the Sunshine, which gained popularity on both gospel and secular stations. Let's hear a little bit of Is My Living in Vain. After the ads, of course. <laughs> Here we go.
bit of is my living in vain again facebook i do not own the rights to this song it is being used for educational purposes only all right <clears throat> throughout the late 1980s and 1990s the clark sisters continued to minister to audiences throughout the globe this is again another image of the clark sisters in london one of the clark sisters so they continue to minister to audiences throughout the globe with both group and solo albums, and they mesmerized their listeners with gospel classics such as Jesus is a Love Song, Pray for the USA, and Name It and Claim It. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, the Clark sisters branched out into solo careers. Karen Clark Sheard collaborated with Donald Lawrence to produce four best-selling gospel albums and earned numerous stellar awards as a solo artist. Jazzy-voiced Dorinda Clark Cole emerged in her own right as the Rose of the Gospel with three solo albums and is known for her electric performances that feature her preaching and singing ministry. Sisters Jackie and Twinkie have also produced solo albums, and Twinkie and Larry Clark debuted a duet album in 2020 called Generations that features never-before-heard recordings from Dr. Clark. The next generation of the Clark family includes Karen's daughter, Kiera, who has become gospel royalty in her own right with several stellar awards and gold gospel albums under her belt. And Karen's son, Jay Drew, who is a drummer and frequent producer for the Clark sisters. The Clark sisters could have rested on their fame and legacy, but in 2007, they came back together and recorded their first group album in more than a decade scoring two Grammy Awards for the song Blessed and Highly Favored and the album Live One Last Time. During this live recording, you could feel the electricity in the room as the sisters sang their most beloved hits and introduced a new generation to their classic sound. In 2020, they gained a new legion of fans after their lifetime movie, The Clark Sisters, First Ladies of Gospel. That became the highest debut on the network with 2.7 million viewers. After nearly 50 years, the sky's the limit for the message that the Clark sisters bring and the hearts they have touched all over the world. Show you two more images and then I will play a little bit of You Brought the Sunshine, which was another Clark sisters hit.
And that is the Clark Sisters. I hope you have enjoyed learning about some women in gospel today. We have talked about the Clark Sisters and we have talked about the Barrett Sisters and we have talked about the Davis Sisters. Again, I encourage you to get this book for your own collection. It's called, Isn't Her Grace Amazing? The Women Who Changed Gospel Music. We often have, I know I have lots of other music history books, but this is the really the first one I've seen that's like a comprehensive book of black women in gospel music. Did they mention everybody? They didn't. Um, I still see lots of people that aren't mentioned in this book, but this is a good start. She probably should do a volume two. All right. If you'd like to come in and you'd like to have some conversation around music, gospel music, black music history, uh, women in gospel music, feel free to click on the two person icon down there and I will bring you in. I'll give you a moment to think about it. And if you are listening by Anchor, I want to again thank you for your time and attention. Please catch up with us on our Facebook page, Black Table Talk. We are there on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time live or on our IG at Daring Dialogues. We are there Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care and be well.